Nope, we don't need to speed up the process. We don't need to nuke this. You know why? Because this is the non-microwave truth. I am C.L. Whiteside, and this is brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry. This is a podcast that is going to challenge culture's truth and culture's perspective. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, I need you to listen to the whole episode. Don't just listen to a snippet or, or a piece of it. Hopefully, you can give me a whole 20, 25 minutes of undivided attention. And the Lord can bless you through this. Now, I have been seeing so much stuff on TV about Pride Month. I've been seeing it in the emails, restaurant promotions and everything. And we're going to do a first world problem that is geared towards Pride Month again. And the question is this. Should we honor people's pronouns when they are transgendering or transforming into a different sex? And what I mean by that is, you know, he was born a man, but now he's saying, call me she, call me Lily. Should we do that? Now, I'm going to give you my thoughts with that. But something I just wanted to point out is I think that Christians especially have been getting bullied to think that the only way that you can build a relationship with someone is to give them their way when it when it comes to this topic or when it comes to this this philosophy. And I've heard other Christians say, you know, the only way I can build a relationship with them is if I actually honor this. And if I don't do that, then that person's not going to have any type of relationship with me. And I will speak the gospel to them, but I just need to build a relationship with them first. And with that, I always just think to myself, like, one, you're, you're building a relationship on, on lies then. And two, the gospel is not presented any better if it starts with lies, if the foundation is lies, if it's, if it's on quicksand. And this passage from Matthew 5, verse 43 through 45 kind of brings this to light. Like, we just have to realize that every single person that we come in contact with is not our friends. And even if we think that this person is our friend, we didn't build the relationship on something sound anyway. So is our relationship going to last? God kind of tells us, you know, it's not our job to befriend every single person, but it is our job to love every single person. And sometimes we just got to be flat out honest. This person is not my friend. This person is, in fact, an enemy. And this passage says this to us. Matthew 5, starting at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Like so many of us get that point and we like, man, I don't want to hate this person. I don't want to hate this person. You don't have to hate them just because you are different. And in this in this spiritual sense, they are your enemy. It says this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And at times. We start thinking to ourselves, the only way that I can love my enemy is to give them their way. But that's not loving them. And we're going to talk about that. Now, a lot of us intend to be compassionate, you know, but you can't compassionately lie to someone when they're going in the wrong direction. And then when they fall, you'd be like, well, I was just compa- I didn't want to tell you the truth because I was trying to compassionately lie to you. Like, that doesn't make any sense. We can't compassionately Sin, like these are oxymorons. You, you can't do both of those. Now, it was this article that I read from Rosera Butterfield, who was huge. She was super big on respecting people's pronouns when they are going from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. And she was like, you should honor these pronouns. But then she later came back. And this is where I got this first world problem idea from. And she was like, I was wrong. 
I was absolutely wrong. And these are some reasons that she said that she was wrong. She said, number one, it's a sin. It's a sin that they're doing. And it's also a sin to lie to them because you are bearing false testimony against them. She also pointed out the author of Transgender to Transform, who was calling herself a trans man. She ended up getting back with the church in the whole shebang. And something that she said that really stood out to me is she said the church and her parents, they refused to call her a he. They refused to call her a he. And she said because of that, their refusal to lie compelled her trust. It, it gained back their trust. It gained her trust, I should say. Now, using trans pronouns, it, it fails to love your neighbor as yourself. It cheapens being saved from sin and it tramples on the, on the blood of Christ. That's something that she pointed out in the article. She said it fails to offer genuine Christian hospitality and it goes against image bearing and God's creation of order and design. So I kind of already answered the question, should we honor the pronouns? I do not think so. But I'm going to change the first world problem question. And this is the first world problem question. What's your emails? What's your profiles? Should you have your what you want to identify is? Should I have a he and a him? I don't think you should. But the first world problem question is this. How much pressure do you feel to honor other people's pronouns, especially when it's not what they were born? How much pressure do you feel? 10 being the most. So one to 10. How much pressure do you feel? 10 being like, man, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be canceled. I'm getting so anxious. I just can't do it. I just feel like I have to honor these people's pronouns, even though that's not how they were born. How much pressure do you feel? Because I know a lot of us are like, man, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I want to hear from you, though. 1 to 10, how much pressure do you feel in your line of work and the things that you do? Love to hear from you on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Let me know. 1 to 10. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Socially Contagious. Socially Contagious. I know a lot of you have heard that if you think about the five people that you surround yourself with, you are most like those five people that you spend time with. You are most like them. Now, I want to take out a person or two and I want you to replace that with social media. Take one of those, one or two of those people out. Get those five people in your head. Replace maybe one or two of those people that you don't spend that much time with. And replace it with the things that you see on social media. Replace it with the things that you see on social media. And most likely that's going to tell you who you are as a, a person. Is that true for you? Is that true for you? Now, we got some social contagiousness that is going on, the peer pressure that's like always, always happening. And I know sometimes people want to say that they're outlier. But if you think about this, if you smoke, probably the four or five people that you spend the most time with, they smoke. If you work out, probably the four or five people that you spend the most time with, they work out. If you happen to read books, they probably read books. If you happen to have a certain way that you think something should be done or a philosophy, they probably had the same philosophy. Now, some of us might think we're outliers, though. Like we might look like, man, yeah, I just thought about my five friends. They all are lazy, but I work hard. You probably lying to yourself. You might want to check that because you probably are, are lying to yourself. It's hard to be an outlier. Now, in this episode, we're going to really look at and I want you to be aware of some very socially contagious things that will affect your mental, your your physical, and most importantly, your, your spiritual well-being. 
And that's really what we're going to wrestle with today on this episode of Socially Contagious. And the first one that I just wanted to point out that is becoming socially contagious and we don't necessarily know how to move around or move about with this is, is the pride movement. And I just wanted to point out the, the fact of like, how do you even view a rainbow? So think about this. God sent a flood. In Genesis 6, verse 11, it says this. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Like, why did he send a flood? He sent a flood because he wanted to destroy the entire world. Because people were prideful in the wrong things. They were prideful in eating and drinking and having sex with whoever, whenever, however. The rainbow was to remind us, though, of, of God's faithfulness it was to remind us that god would never send a flood to destroy the whole world it was remind us it was there to remind us to be careful on what we put our pride in and now the world has tried to hijack the rainbow it definitely has and it says let's have pride not in god but let's have pride in our sexuality or our sexual identity or choosing and make a mockery of the rainbow. Like the devil is a bold dude. The devil is a bold son of a gun. But that's what the pride movement would tell you now. That's what the rainbow people want you to think is, is now. Now, the world is trying to make this like LGBTQ plus movement. It's trying to make it so contagious. And I'm going to give you an example on just how contagious it's becoming in our world. So one of my friends hit me up the other day. He was like, see, guess what, bro? Guess what? He's like, they told me I could get a paid day off if I go to a gay parade or a transgender parade. I could get a paid day off work. He can get paid to go support this movement, to go be an ally in this case. Like, that's that's socially contagious. I know a lot of people are like a day off of work. I'm going to the parade. I, parade, I don't even care if I'm going to see some drag queens or not. I'm going. I'm an ally. Yes, because I want a paid day of work. I want to pay day off, I should say. But that, that's crazy. That's just a, a great example, though. Like you can't even take off for your birthday, but you could take off for this. Now, something that made me think about this, too, is a conversation that I had with these two Generation Z ladies. And they were talking about like Lil Nas X is this and, and he's that. And he's like, my, yeah, my dad doesn't want me to listen to, to Lil Nas X. And I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. And they just knew so much about what it meant to be to be um, transgender or, or queer or stud, or non-binary, like they knew all of these type of terms, and they were kind of just were talking like, yeah, I thought I was gay, but no, I think it was just a fad, I think that was just a phase, and they just talked about this stuff like it was, um, I once liked a sport, or I once had a hobby, like they talked about their sexual identity in this way, and I just was like hearing their conversation, I was like, man, they have gotten so brainwashed from social media and from music, because so many different things in these two outlets tell you to do whatever you want, feel however you want and be whoever you want. Now, there's this thing called gender dysphoria. Gender gender dysphoria pretty much just means I'm confused. And the big thing that I was reading in some of these articles that that I, I'll later mention is like if there's someone in your group, someone in your your close circle, it didn't even got to be that close to your circle, someone that you know that is trans or gay or whatever you want to call it. If you have one friend who's in that, that a lot of times put pressure on you to be an ally or to support them in some type of way. Like peer pressure is a real thing. And 
especially not I'm not going to just say Generation Z or millennials like all of us. We are lied to that. The only way that you can be a supportive friend is if you tell people what they want to hear. And if you support them, even when you think that they're wrong, like do it at, at any cost. Like this is so tough for kids. This is even tough for adults. Like you need to be an ally at any cost is a message that we hear so many times, especially with with the pride movement. Now, a different article I was reading, it put down that like if you are a normal heterosexual male or female, you are looked down upon and people might make fun of you. Like it, it talked about some of the people, uh, some of the kids saying to another kid like, oh, my gosh, you're cisgender. That means like you like the opposite sex, which you're supposed to do. Oh, my gosh, you're so boring and lame, like a girl who only likes males. Wow, that is so boring. That is so lame. Like that's what people have to go through nowadays because they want to be unique. They want to be different so bad that really they, they're just following the trend because it's socially contagious that if they do the norm, they now will get talked about. They now will be looked at crazy like something's wrong with you when you are just normal in that regard. But remember, God wants us to love everyone. That includes our friends. That includes our enemies. And that includes those who are in the LGBTQ plus community. But the thing we oftentimes struggle with is like, how do you love them without condoning their lifestyle? That's way too big of a topic for me to get in today. But I got a great resource for you. It's Gay and God, Loving Everyone, God Made, and Everything God Wrote. This is by Pastor Mike Novotny. You actually can go read this. It's a great little resource, great little book. You can actually go on timeofgrace.org, type in Gay and God, and download it. You get a free digital copy. Or you can go at the bottom of the notes on this episode, click on it, and you can download it. It's just something great for those who are wondering, like, man, how do I love? And I don't necessarily agree with this lifestyle. What does the Bible actually say about this? What does the Bible say about same-sex attraction? This is a great resource. Go download it. Go use it. Gay and God by Pastor Mike Novotny. Now, something that I don't, um, I don't envy parents at all with this is the fact now, when I was reading this article, it, it talked about like, and I've kind of seen this firsthand, teenagers putting more pressure on their parents and using like suicide as one of those things. It's like, if you don't let me transform or transgender over, you don't let me get these um, these um, medical medical procedures, then I'll commit suicide. And it talked about some of the kids even going on different discussion boards and there are even different places where they could pick up word, code words, code phrases to make their parents feel like they're going to commit suicide so that the parents, because that's a horrible position to be in if you are a parent where your kid is like, yeah, I'm going to commit suicide if you don't let me do this. Because I know a lot of parents don't agree with this, but they also don't want their child dead. So it's kind of like, what do you do? But that's just amazing at how manipulative that community is sometimes forcing um, kids to be like, think about it back in the day, back in the day, if you didn't get your way, you weren't able to go to a party. You'd be like, you know what? I'm going to run away. <laughs> you know what? A lot of our parents would say, okay, and I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat your butt if you leave. Or some of the parents would be like, you know what? I'll pack your bags for you. I dare you. I dare you to leave. But now it's, it's just so different, especially when you're planning and talking about something with suicide. But something that I saw in this article, that is a fact that we just got to point out. It says this. This is a non-microwave truth. It says suicide rates are higher for those who undergo medical transitions, especially for those who are confused and don't get the sex changes. So if you compare those who actually get the medical um, conditions, they get the medical transitions compared to those who don't get it. There's a way higher suicide rate for those who did 
get the medical transitions. So parents, my thing, if you are struggling with that or, or going, dealing with that, have the energy, have the energy and keep fighting the fight that you should fight. Don't give in. Do not give in. Now, social contagiousness, that has been going on forever. You think about um, Adam and Eve. That's the reason that, that Adam ate the fruit. Eve was like, here, take it. It's good. I dare you. Come on, let's do it. You know, you look at Exodus chapter 32. This, this is the reason that the Israelites wanted a golden calf, like a golden calf, because every other culture was doing it and, and it was cool. So they wanted it too, even though we found out that that was wrong. Like everyone has one type of thing as a mentality that we have, or everyone's doing it. it. It all affects us. Second Timothy Chapter two, verse 16 and 17 tells us, it says lie spread. It's talking about lies spread and light gangrene. It says this, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene, gangrene. Acts chapter five, that's when we have a husband and, and a wife. They are lying for each other. Like lying is one of those things that's socially contagious too. You ever had somebody put you in a lie? Like Mike, remember when we did... Da, 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 da. And you like, uh, yeah. And you just lie and go along with it because you kind of put on the spot. You like, I don't want to bust this person out. Mike, remember when we had to go have a drink at that bar? And you like, bro, I did not go have a drink with you at that bar. I don't know what you're talking about, but but sometimes we lie and, and that's where lying can become contagious for sure. Laziness, that's also contagious. Um, the, the victim mentality, everything, poor me, woohoo, that can become contagious. And the media. The media, believe it or not, they can portray things that are contagious, like like suicide. A few years ago, maybe it was maybe it's up to five years ago now, um, some years ago, they had the movie 13 Reasons Why. And because of that, the media kind of portrayed that like it's a safe way and a responsible way to commit suicide or to do self-harm. But but that's a lie. And that's one of those things that is socially contagious, though. The spike or the number of people that committed suicide, I think that was like in April of 2021 or maybe it was a little, even farther back but the, it, it spiked because people thought it was okay to do because that's how it was portrayed in the media that's how it was portrayed in this this television series so on this episode of socially contagious it's so important it's so important to surround ourselves with people who want to live christian lives so we just talked about all this social contagiousness on the bad end social contagiousness can also be good on the opposite end this can work for our good. I'm going to go to, to Daniel chapter one. Now, this is when the Israelites, they got overthrown and there's this new king. And the new king is like, you know, I want some good looking, smart, intelligent, quick learning dudes. Go find them for me. I want them to serve in my palace. I want them to serve in my kingdom. And that's where we're going to take off from. Daniel one, verse five. Daniel, along with three others, we'll talk about them later, were to be taught the language and literature of the Babylons. The king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after they were to enter the king's service. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself this way. So you're talking about how is he defi defiling himself? So I'm guessing that there were some unclean animals or some things he wasn't supposed to eat. Maybe that could have been like pork. It possibly could have been something like shrimp. I'm not sure exactly what those unclean things were, but Daniel wasn't messing with it. It goes on to say, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? Now, think about this. Their culture said that it was best to eat all these other foods, but it actually was not. 
And he says, the reason I don't want to do this is the king would then have my head because of you, meaning the kings don't kill me if this don't work out right. Daniel then said to the guard whom the official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, if you want to lose some weight, you might want to try this. This is what a lot of churches do. And they call like the Daniel fast, you know, 10 days, vegetables, water. You might want to try it. It says, then compare our comparison with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate their royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So we keep hearing about uh, Daniel, but we got to just remember it, it was for them. So it's so dope to have people who want to live the Christian life with you. Like that's socially contagious in a good way, too. Now, it says the king found no one else on the same level as these dudes, and they were 10 times better than all the other magicians and enchanters in this whole kingdom. Now, we're going to go to Daniel chapter two. You should go read about this. And the big thing about this is when you are in crisis, pray and go to God fearing friends. Don't go to everybody because some people will send you up. Go to God fearing friends, people that you know are in the word and want to give you godly advice. And it's talking about praying for someone or something like that can be socially contagious. And that's good. The enemy doesn't want you doing that. The enemy does not want you praying and getting together with God fearing people. Doesn't want you doing that. So the dope thing about this, and you should read about this, like I said, in Daniel chapter two, Daniel experienced success. He got a promotion. He brought his boys along with him too. Because they were good and they were capable. So like they had the same faith. They had similar experiences. They had the same aspirations. They had the same mindset to honor God and not themselves. So I'm not saying automatically bring your boys with you because some of your boys aren't good and capable. But if they have the same mindset as you, if they want to honor God like you and not honor themselves, bring them along. Bring them along. All right, let's jump to Daniel chapter three. Now, this is when the king, he creates like this stupid, large image it's supposed to be like maybe 90 feet high and nine feet wide and when they hear a sound or they hear some music play they're supposed to bow down and worship this this huge image that the king created now the people of the officials and some astrologers they tried to put even more pressure on them like hey you know it's some people that's not not bowing down you need to you need to go ahead and throw them into the furnace and this is where we pick up i'm gonna read the nlt version this is Daniel chapter three, starting at verse 13. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. Those were the three dudes I was talking about earlier that we talk about now. And we're talking about them now. It says, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? So these three dudes got three different names. Earlier, I had talked about them. They had three different names, but this is their Babylonian name right now. It goes on to say, I will give you more. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instrument. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. 
And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. He talking crazy and he talking reckless. Now, a lot of us, if we were faced with losing our job or losing a friend or losing a relationship or or getting dragged on social media or canceled, we, we would bow down and worship. But let's see how they responded. And this is a beautiful thing. Courage is socially contagious as well. Like the Lord blesses it when it's for him. The Lord blesses it. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. This is so deep. I thought this passage was so good. It says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. I just thought that was so admirable. And just how much trust they had. They were filled with trust. It goes on to say, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with the three that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. The kitchen was getting real hot, getting real hot. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So this was so hot. When the dudes went to go throw them in, they died because it was that hot. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. I just want to point that out, the unharmed part. Jesus' death and his suffering on the cross was to keep us unharmed after we died. That's just something for you to remember and think about. It goes on to say, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, because you know it's pretty hot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out here, come out, come here. Now he wants to switch up. Now he wants to switch up. Socially contagious because they stood for God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. You know, when you get to barbecue in a little bit, you're going to smell like smoke, but they didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Now, when it gets hot in the kitchen, are you going to bow down? When it gets hot in the kitchen, are you going to bow down? Think about that for yourself. It goes on to say, therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb. I'm just stop right there. That's crazy. He made a whole decree for this. Being bold for God is so contagious. Now, you got to think about this. The world pressures us to get distance, to be distant from God. But God gives us so many reasons to, to be closer to him. You got to look for the reasons to be closer to him because the world is going to give you the exact opposite. It's going to give you reasons not to be close to him. 
And then it goes on to say, and their houses will be turned into heaps of trouble. There is no other guy who can rescue like this. He switched up big time. He definitely switched up big time. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Now, we're going to just close this up with this. Our God wants to rescue us from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. When you think about this, Jesus traded places with us. He traded places for us, and he went in the furnace for us. And he's the only God to save us from the internal furnace or the internal, internal fire. Now, the enemy and our sinful nature, it lies to us and says, do whatever makes you happy. I just want the best for you, but it's lying. That is a complete lie. The enemy and our sinful nature wants us to be locked up. It wants our soul thrown in that furnace forever. But Jesus does not want that. That is the reason that he suffered for us. That is the reason that he traded places for us. And never, ever forget that. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Socially Contagious. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. They know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.